Is the company's purpose to make profit? Or is a company's purpose to solve a problem for a customer? And if you're solving that problem for a customer, then profit actually is an outcome. Hi, everyone. Once again, welcome to Market Share. This is where I chat to people who influence the way brands are built, big brands and small, as well as people who have had a big influence on the marketing, media and advertising industry. So, COVID-19 has put financial stress on you and so many other people. You need short-term financial assistance urgently? What do you do? You ask a friend for help, your family, or maybe a short-term credit provider that also will help you take control of your situation. Is there such a company? Well, today I'm joined by the CEO of Wonga, Brett van Asbjergen, and we're going to chat about their unusual approach to money lending. Welcome, Brett. Before we talk about your company, tell me a bit about the market you operate in. We obviously operate in the micro-lending space, what's it's termed micro-lending. And when I think about the lending space, I typically think about it on two dimensions. On the one dimension, it's the difference between formal and informal lending. And on the other dimension, it's the difference between regulated and unregulated lending. So in South Africa, we effectively have four quadrants. We have the formal regulated space. We have the informal regulated space, of which there aren't really many lenders in that space. We then have the formal unregulated industry, and we have the informal unregulated industry. Now, we operate as our business, we operate in the formal and regulated industry. And that is the kind of the micro lending space or the lending space that most of your listeners would be very familiar with. It is your, you know, what will fall in there are all your main commercial banks. It's all your micro lenders that are registered with the national credit regulator and any other lenders that are properly registered. That industry is worth in the region of about 220 billion rand in debt that's sitting in that industry at the moment. And within that industry, you have where Wonga falls into is we are considered to be short-term credit providers. And our industry is worth about 2 billion rand. So you can see radically smaller than the very much larger, uh, what's called unsecured credit industry, where you have quite a large amount of unsecured credit in, in play. Now, what we unfortunately have is a lot of uh, lenders out there who appear to be formal, but they're completely unregulated. They're not registered with the credit uh, regulator in any way, and they don't provide any kind of protection to consumers who use them. They typically charge interest rates, which are significantly different to what the others would charge. And then very interestingly, Wonga actually did a whole piece of research in 2017, and we, we published a report uh, in 2018 called the Informal Lending Report. And this is where we went and investigated the informal and unregulated market, which is really your community-based lending that happens in informal townships. And we estimated through our, our research, we did a, quite a lot of on-ground research, we, we estimated that there are roughly 40,000 micro-lenders, what, what are, are termed machinises, in communities and townships around South Africa. And this is a very large part of the market that is uh, servicing people's needs on a daily basis. And who's your average customer? So as I've described, a range of lenders in the industry, they service different customers. So you'll have 
I mean, everything from a bank to, you know, your corner mom and pop uh, little single branch micro lender. And they, they service different people for, you know, across the industry. For Wonga specifically, our customer tends to be somebody who's very comfortable working off their mobile phone. About 75% of our applications come off a mobile phone. All of our applications are completely digital. We don't have any branch infrastructure. So our consumer tends to be somebody who we, we colloquially term to be tech savvy. Um, they're very comfortable, I think, uh, conducting an application off a mobile phone. This means that they tend to be a bit younger. So our ages uh, you know, range sort of between 25 and 40. Our average age is about 34 years old. And from an income perspective, uh, we tend to be sort of middle to upper income spectrum in South Africa. Our average income for our customers specifically is about 22,000 rand a month. So, you know, I think that it's it's slightly different to what people might consider to be, you know, everyone sort of thinks, oh, the, the people who use a, a short-term loan are, you know, people who are poor or low income or desperate or something. But if you think about a short-term loan, how is it different to people accessing an overdraft? You know, so if you have an overdraft in your bank account and you're accessing some of that overdraft to manage your cash flow, that's absolutely the same to what our product is doing for people. It's just, just that they're applying for it specifically for an amount of money for a, a fixed period of time. So you can see how the market will service different people across different segments of the market. Oh, very interesting. And has COVID had a big impact on the market? Uh, yes, definitely. You know, what we've seen, interestingly, um, I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to say it's been all negative because the reality is that people have been staying at home. They haven't been able to spend. So we've seen a, a significant drop in consumption spending in the market. And that has obviously had knock-on impacts of people not needing to take lines of credit. They're not spending as much. So, you know, there's definitely negative economic impact from COVID that you've got lower levels of consumption spending taking place in the market. But from a debt perspective, it's actually been really, really good. And, you know, I've been actually quite pleased about people who are not lending recklessly. They're actually realizing that they need to save money in this time. They have been spending a lot less. So I think that people have generally been very mindful of, of what they're spending on. Um, a lot of consumers have faced uh, cuts in their income as a result of companies either doing short time or, you know, doing salary cuts. And so people have been adjusting their spending accordingly. So what we did see in the market is a, a massive reduction in the levels of lending activity, which was born out of the fact that people were just spending less, either out of choice but through saving or out of uh, forced not having the income to go and spend. But generally, what I've seen is some really positive consumer behavior in people matching their spending to the level of income and and obviously just people sitting at home not being able to go out not being able to go into restaurants um and the like oh interesting why is your company called wonga Brett? so wonga was the original name that came through uh when they created the company it it, it stemmed from in the uk when they they started the business in the uk in 2007 and in the uk the word wonga is slang for cash that's where it came from what we didn't realize and by 
complete coincidence. Uh, Wonga means cash in Koza as well. So there, there is definitely a local understanding of the word Wonga too. And how did you get involved in Wonga? So my commencement with Wonga was in early 2015. For people who don't know the history of the company in the UK, you know, the founder of the company and the management team of the company were on a, a significant drive to grow the business um, with the aim of listing the company. And unfortunately, there were some decisions that were taken that were probably not the best decisions that were taken. Some of the um, activities that were taken in the UK by the company led to the introduction of some new regulations in the UK. They, they introduced a set of regulations called the high cost short term credit regulation and the uh, company and the whole industry, actually, the, the, the micro lending industry in the UK changed the regulatory body and they were needed to go and fall under the financial conduct authority. Um, before that, they were part of a sort of like a consumer protection industry watchdog. But once falling under the financial conduct authority, they had this new piece of regulation come in and there was a lot of regulation put in place around managing how this industry was behaving. And, and unfortunately for, uh, you know, I think Wonga at that stage needed to take some responsibility for that regulation because of some of the activities that they were doing. That had a very significant impact on the business in the UK. And in 2014, they brought in a new chairman and they brought in a new management team across all the, the, the countries across the world where Wonga operated. So I was part of a new management team coming in to try and turn the ship around, so to speak. I came in to manage the South African business. And, you know, we, we obviously set a, a new course for the business from 2015 onwards on how we were going to operate not only within the UK, but within the various markets across the world where we were operating. Now, you, you talk about teaching money management to your clients. Isn't that something we should be teaching at school? Uh, without a doubt. I think it's absolutely critical that kids learn responsible money management techniques. We've launched a, a tool called Money Academy. We have a website that's called moneyacademy.coza. And on there, we provide you know, free to use to anybody, some money management techniques and training material for people. We, we've specifically designed it to be sort of short and sharp. It's 90 second YouTube clips that people can watch covering a range of, you know, four, four pillars of finance as we see it. And um, it's, you know, it, it, it's kind of uh, written in a story type of process. So, so there's various chapters to it. Or if you want to think of it as uh, there, there's different seasons and there's different episodes in each season. And so each season representing a pillar. And, you know, as we go along, we just add a new episode to each season as we go along. But the idea there is that we want to be able to give access to, you know, basic money management skills for people because kids today could learn more about how to manage money, how to budget how to spend the money that they do have, you'll have less people going into a situation where they're needing to lean on credit in order to survive. And that is obviously the utopia, but I think we have to face the reality that in South Africa, in our country, we have a very large portion of our population who don't earn enough money to be able to save. They're literally living hand to mouth. 
And so I think it's very noble to say, you know, more people should be saving and people should budget better. I agree with that. I mean, in principle, it's right. But when you've got somebody earning 3,000 rand a month, like I struggle to understand how they even survive on that. You know, how do you budget on that? It feels like an impossible task. And so people cannot plan for unexpected surprises, for emergencies and shocks to their financial budget on a monthly basis. No, that's true. Very true. Brett, you talk about putting purpose before profit. That seems to be a bit of a contradiction. What do you mean by that? I have a bit of a story to try and illustrate my point. One of my previous roles was setting up a a business in, in Africa uh, you know, specifically, we ended up setting up in Kenya. But part of our company's narrative was we were wanting to help create a middle class in Africa. That was the purpose behind the business that we were doing. And I couldn't help but feeling completely inspired by that. And it was a it was a call to action for me to go to work every day and to put in an incredible amount of effort. And that was my first introduction to a company operating with some sense of purpose. And so out of that role and, and that uh, job that I did, I started really learning more about purpose and how that would influence companies. Now, I, I come out of a sort of a schooling era that teaches, you know, in Economics 101, you learn about Keynesian theory of economics. And the basis of that, it says that, you know, amongst other things, that the purpose of a company is to make profits for shareholders. And that's the purpose of a company, the sole purpose of a company, and that's all a company needs to do. And obviously, I've done a fair amount of reading, and and you can read the newspapers every day and see what's happening around the world. And we are driven by capitalism. And I certainly don't want to try and say that, that capitalism is the wrong approach. But I think that when you are driving for profit solely, you can make some pretty poor decisions. When your shareholders are your first and only port of call, what about all the other stakeholders? So, you know, if you think about your customer, and I guess that's the the basic question behind purpose is, is a company's purpose to make profit? Or is a company's purpose to solve a problem for a customer? And if you're solving that problem for a customer, then profit actually is an outcome. It's an outcome to an ecosystem that's actually operating in balance. And it means, you know, for me at least, it means that as a company, you're considering all your stakeholders. So your your shareholders are obviously a very important stakeholder, but your customers are an important stakeholder. Your regulatory environment is an important stakeholder, as are your suppliers, and as is the environment within which you work. And I think what you're starting to see, you know, globally is, is people are starting to question company making um, I don't want to say obscene profits, but abnormally large profits and sacrificing all the other stakeholders along the way. So if it's in the industry around, you know, sort of pollution and damaging the environment, well, we, ha- you know, we're hoping that our kids are going to have a, a world to live in. So climate change is a pretty real thing and it's, and it's getting a lot of attention. If you think about it in the realm of online and digital, you know, the whole issue around uh, data privacy and data protection that's starting to gain traction. And each of those issues represents a different stakeholder. And so having purpose and operating with purpose is about finding what is the reason for your company's existence? What is the problem that you solve? Or, you know, it's like, what's the point? Because the point cannot be 
just to make profit for shareholders. That has to be the outcome of a business that is operating with some sense of balance across multiple stakeholders. No, I couldn't agree with you more. And I think it's a lovely culture to have. Deliver and you will receive. Um, and that's what it's all about. Customer first. How do you market to your customers? What's your marketing plan? How do you get to your customers? How do you promote Wonga? So, Reg, we are an online business. And our focus of our marketing is within the digital realm. So I won't profess that we are the best in the world. We, we strive to try and be the best in the world in the space of digital marketing. That's where a lot of our focus is uh, placed. But what I do realize is that because we're a digital brand, we need to build brand awareness. And there is a need for some above-the-line advertising in order to create some brand awareness and make people aware. So if you had a, for instance, if you had a shop in a shopping mall, you have a lot of foot traffic walking past that shop every day. They will see the the, the shop, see the storefront window, and they'll probably recognize the brand. We don't have that. So we need to obviously have some level of marketing that will be above the line through some kind of um, brand building um, advertising. But our focus for our marketing strategy is on the digital space in marketing. So we've had some amazing developments in the last few years, specifically around the advent of a smartphone, the access to uh, data, uh, and you know, sort of the, the digital data revolution that's taking place. That more people are having access to the phone, and you effectively, it's like having a one-to-one line of communication with people. And the amount of data that's available around people means you can talk to them in a far more personalized way than what we could ever have imagined 20 years ago. Let me now go behind the mask of Brett. Let me ask you a couple of questions. And this is a hell of a question, Brett, and let's see if you can answer it. How would you fix the SA economy if you were in charge? If I was in charge, I would place significant emphasis on education of our kids. You know, to me, I think we're in a perpetual cycle of poverty because we have too many people who don't have enough skills and qualifications in order to enter the formal economy. And that perpetuates the long-term problem. Obviously, that is a long-term strategy. You know, in terms of the short-term strategy, my personal view there is, is that there's a lot that needs to be done on cleaning up the system. I think there's too much money that is being squandered and wasted and stolen. And that detracts from a lot of the need in our country. No, I think you're absolutely right. And what scares you, Brett? What scares me? Um, not a lot scares me, but I, I guess the, you know, like many South Africans at the moment, the future of our country scares me. You know, I worry about where, uh, where the country might be going and its direction, that, that worries me. I think we have a, an amazing country with so many amazing opportunities and, and it would scare me to think of our country continuing to deteriorate at the pace it has been over the last couple of years. No, no, I agree with you entirely. And, and what, Brett, just a, a more fun question, what do you do for fun? I love, okay, well, two things actually. Uh, one, I'm a very avid probably not as good as I think I am in my own head, cook. Um, I really enjoy cooking. It's a form of creativity and, I guess, meditation for me just to be in the kitchen cooking. And the other thing that I really love doing is camping. Um, 
I've got my own camping trailer and, and for us as a family getting away and, and, um, you know, everything outdoors, hiking and all that stuff is for me is, uh, is a lot of fun. That sounds fantastic. Well, Brett, thank you so much for being with us. I think the whole Wonga story is very, very interesting. And, you know, as Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Thanks for listening to Market Share with me, Reg Lascaris. I'll be back soon with another episode giving my take on brands and companies, big and small, in South Africa and elsewhere. So chat soon. Cheers. Cheers.